When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez. Lucas Moura. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Aurier! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First time here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terra in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run! Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Yo, people, welcome back to another episode of the New Spurs Order podcast. I'm on hosting duties this week. If you don't know who it is, then get to know it's Tobes, aka Tapping Tobes, aka NSO Goldberg. And I'm here joined by one of my co-hosts as well. Apologies, knackered, as you can hear, you can tell from my voice, but I'm joined here by um, Microphone Tops. That's what I'm going to call you today because your mic's always, it's always a myth. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, you saw you're good because, bruh. No, actually, I'm not good. I'm not good. Like I said in the group, I've got nothing left, bro. So I'm just here because, um, you know, uh, this is, it feels like a like a contractual ob- obligation for people to hear hear us talk on Spurs, uh, even though there's nothing really very, there's nothing positive to speak about Spurs. Even yeah. as you think things can maybe get better, can maybe improve, we just get, we're just getting constant slaps, man. There's, you know, it is with Spurs as well, yeah. It's, it's like they've not even given us a crumb of optimism to take into next year. Like they, like you know, like when you have like when you usually have like a bad, a bad season, right? Like Bro. you get some like morale boosting performances to and all, to like, switch like, it up oh. or something, man. You know, like not even just switch it up, but just like oh yeah, you we're crap, but at least at least this this result. I can like I can be happy and look back on it and say yeah like no this was nice. They've given us nothing, bro. They've um, given us absolutely nothing. This is now what one win, one win in I think it's six. That? One win in like four games for for Mason, and it's yeah. like one game in one win in nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something something yeah. crazy. One win in nine. Uh, eight one away from home since January. Like man, I don't know, man. Like. I said it last week on the pod as well. I just said, like, what is the most frustrating thing for me? I know, I don't want to digress, but what's the most frustrating thing for me is that, like you said, I'm looking now at next season and I can't even see next season starting off positively because we're ending the season with still a lot of doubt and we're going to be going into the summer with still a lot of doubt. It's just... Yeah, man, it's, it's ridiculous. It's... The season hasn't ended, but yet there's there's so many questions that need to be answered um, on the squad personnel, the playing staff, just everything, everything, everything is a mess, man. And I guess I don't want to spend too much time on this as well, right? Because I I want us to spend this episode, and for those listeners, well, make sure you're tuned into <clears throat> to our socials as well, Newspers Order One Word on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Um, also make sure you you follow the main touchline handles as well on Twitter and Instagram as well. Touchline Fracker, one word. But yeah, like you know what? 
it's, it's, it's actually like depressing. Like every week, every week um, or every other week, whenever we're playing at home, like Sai normally sends out the bird call. If you know, if you know Sai, that's Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash, should I say? <laughs> and he's always sending out the bird call. Yo, who's at who's at the game? Who's at the game? And at the start of the season, every man, every man was like, Yeah, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. Like couple season ticket holders, couple members that everyone knew, like you'll see most man there most weeks. And I feel like for the last, I want to say the last three months, for the last three months, Sai's been asking the same question, right? Who's there? Because he's I think he's been to every home game this season. And no one, no one, no one else goes. Nobody else is going. And that's as a direct result of the of the mud that we've had to endure with this team this season. It's just been it's just been a disaster. And like I feel like it's symptomatic of the the fan base in the sense where I think we've just checked out. We've legitimately just checked out and not checked out in the in sent in the term, not checked out like as in like you're not you're never gonna watch the team again, but as in like checking out in terms of making the extra effort to watch the team, right? They give you nothing back. So why make that extra effort to watch them? Why? No, I absolutely agree. Um a sentiment that I think has been echoed by uh, not just uh, new fans, but like, or new and younger fans, but lots of old fans. Um, you know, people are spending their hard-earned money, um, the hard-earned time, to be forced uh, to be pay uh, to pay to watch like rubbish. I mean, there's no other way to describe, um, you know, us finishing a season, thirty-eight game season, sixty-plus goals conceded. 13 14, 13, 14 games lost. I mean, like, what you know, with a, with a run of events on the weekend, we could finish as low as ninth. I mean, it's, it's so frustrating. Um, I don't even know how I even feel about it all, to be honest with you. Um, every week, my missus asks me, Did Tottenham win? Fully, fully well knowing we didn't win that week, man. It's, and every and like, every week, I just keep thinking to myself, I'm closer to not having to think about this football club. There are the, the you know, it is that like they're a disgrace, and they have no shame. It's like, and we've said it many times on this very platform. When just when you think that this team can hit the lowest, it it it's um it's hit in in recent times. They always find a way to shock you. This is the second time. This is the second time in three seasons. Spurs have lost their last home game, right? <laughs> the second time in three seasons, Spurs have lost their last home game. And Kelsey Priest, the, the last time it happened on the, on the mates rates, Ryan Mason, mm-hmm. um, where did Spurs finish that season? Seventh. Finished mm-hmm. seventh. Um, I just feel like, <laughs> I just feel like this team, their cheeks, man. And I feel like they're almost, it, it, it's not real. Like the amount of crap that you have to put up with being a Spurs fan, it's not real. Like it, it, it just can't be real. Like you, you can't be this incompetent. You can't be this crap on the football pitch, this incompetent off the football pitch. Right? So much deadwood, it's unreal. It's mental, man. It's absolutely mental. Yeah, it's, it, I, like it's, it's absolutely I, insane. Go on. I, I, I just think it's so it's. It's crazy because, like, someone would listen to this and thinking that we're just lumping on the team, lumping on the club, but genuinely, this is what we're left with. Like, this has just been a continuous, a continuous downward trajectory. When it should be upward, it's been the opposite. And this is what we're left with. We're left with not much leadership from the top. We're We're left with not much accountability on the ground and we're left with a multitude of players from different regimes in a squad that's completely fractured, deficient of quality, deficient of morale and no direction. Like again, like you can't tell me now at the end of the 22, 23 season, 
what Tottenham were going to be doing next season. What are we? What is our aim? I, I, I couldn't tell you, because at this point, I'm looking at us and I'm thinking, even if I was to try and compare us to the teams around us, the Uniteds, the Newcastles, I don't. I always, like Mike said on the main pod, I don't think teams are always a, a massive, massive, massive amount away from where they think they are. And I think they could, they're always probably a little bit better maybe, but I genuinely feel that we're in a position of real worry. It worries me, the position or the direction it looks like we're going in. Hmm. I, I, listen, I can't argue against any of that. And I guess we we ain't even got... <laughs> how mad is that? We ain't even got into the into the, the, the detail <sighs> of the pod. And yet, we're 10 minutes in because of how bad this team are. Oh my days, I'm watching the United game and Ericsson's hairline is messed up. <laughs> Take it from a man. <laughs> Take it from a man whose hairline's messed up as well. That that is, is jacked up. He needs to go bald, man. I know he's gone no trip, but he needs to go all the way bald. That is crazy. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> speaking of bald guys, we'll talk about Onslaught as well after the end. Of, oh. uh, after, after, oh. after, after, after the Brentford review. But I mean, Brentford, like... They've had a fantastic season. Um, they could potentially finish in a European spot, um, mm-hmm. depending on results on the on the final day. They they could they could potentially mm-hmm. do that. Um, but even if they don't, they've had a fantastic season. But you would think Brentford, yes, they're not an easy side to play. But last home game of the season, and then to add to the fact that their top scorer, who's hit twenty league goals this season. Is not available. You would think, hmm, okay. Last home game of the season, at least got over bang. Brentford are missing the the top scorer. Obviously, we're not expecting we're not expecting the entire team to just shut down. But we're um, oh god, Fafana is was yeah. He's there. having he's having a mare, having a mare. He's having a mare. That's a penalty. He's having a mare. Shocking. Um, he, yeah, he he's having a mare. Um, but we are just the gift that keeps on giving to the opposition. To the opposition, we are the gift that keeps on giving. Hey, you, your top goal scorer injured? Ah, oh, we'll give life to your, your second choice and your third choice, right? Ah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you struggle away from home? Ah, oh, we'll come to our ground. We'll give you points, right? Mm-hmm. We'll give you points. Looking at that fixture, I remember listening to the pod as well. Um, I feel like I didn't get to the predictions bit, but in my head, I was like, Come on, win. I thought we'd win 2-1. Not even a 2-1. You could they couldn't even give us a 2-1, a cheeky 2-1. Man, what was your expectations going into that game as well before we actually get into the detail? Oh, like to me, I expected nothing but a loss, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh at this point, I'm so I'm so devoid. Of confidence, um, I don't believe. I don't believe in the current group of players. Um, I feel like the only person um, who has carried himself with any any sort of pride or accountability this season is Kane, in my opinion. Um, I still feel that going into this game against a team like Brentford, who we know are hard working, they're tactically astute. And they have some bits of quality in that team. It was always going to be an interesting game. And the one thing that also worried me about this game was that, weirdly, I look at some of the teams that have come to Tottenham this season and teams, they kind of know how to play against us at home. They kind of have a way of stifling us or stopping us from playing. And, you know, arguably, bro, if we're looking at the season as a whole, we haven't really performed well at home. I mean, we've won games, yeah. But there's been a number of games that we haven't deserved to win and we've won. And honestly, whilst it looked like a game that we should be able to win and we started in a, in a way that looks like we should continue and end the season on some sort of positive, it just left a lot to be desired. And in the end, uh, Brighton deserved to win, man. I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, our 22 shots to their 11 shots, our eight shots on target to their four. Listen, we made the mistakes. We gave them the opportunities to finish us off, and they did. 
Simple. And, and, and I, think, did... I think I do think though you I think your 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 point around us making it easy for teams at our ground is applicable generally based on how we performed the season. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say that was that was too that was applicable in the first half, you know, because I felt I was actually quite shocked. I felt that we were actually quite decent in the first half. I felt like we created more than enough chances to to have made that a comfortable lead heading into the break. I know we <laughs> obviously went in one nil up, but it could have been it could have been two or potentially three. I remember Emerson Agreed. opportunity, some opportunity, and I think there was Agreed. one more as well. Um, I felt like we were playing some some good stuff, but like mm-hmm. you said, with with Spurs, you can never you can never be too comfortable when it comes to your positive view on this team. You can never be too comfortable because you know a mess is just around the corner waiting for for you for, for um waiting for you. But talking on the first half was I mean the goal from Harry Kane. Uh, funnily enough, because we had that that big debate in the chat on who's been our best player this season, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um obviously a lot of people were trying to guess up the game and say it's Harry Kane's last game for Spurs, which it could well be. It could mm-hmm. well be his last game. But um I think with 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 Kane on set piece duty, every single person was probably expecting that ball to be stands. <clears throat> but I mean Kulisevsky, shameless assist from Kulisevsky. But yeah, yeah, Harry Kane, fantastic goal, man. Yeah, fantastic no, goal. Fantastic it really goal. was. It it really was. Like and to be honest with you, I can actually see why that kind of that kind of technique and uh, style of free kick it works for him because yes, it's kind of a moving ball, and um, it kind of allows him to create a different angle. Whereas when you when you're taking a free kick from a motion like a motionless ball, like you know overall around a wall. It's a bit more of a difficult angle to create. So to be honest with you, I actually think that kind of he like he can hit the ball like that. Like that's the thing as well. Like there's been there's been times where we've seen him literally hit the ball like that. So um, it doesn't really it didn't surprise me. But again, I was like, I couldn't believe how good the goal was. I couldn't believe where he even managed to put it. He put it in the top corner. Like, I was I was looking at. I was like, I don't know, man. Raya looks kind of small. But actually, when I looked at, I watched it a number of times, I was like, no, that was a very good strike. Very, very good strike. Mm. Yeah, and I guess I guess it was one of, probably, of course, it was the highlight of the first half because it, it was a stupendous strike and it obviously put us one nil up. But uh-huh. I felt like there were there were a couple of good things that I saw in the first half. If I'm being, let me be, let me be, um, let me be impartial, right? Let me yeah. be impartial and not, and not yeah. have my, my angry Spurs hat on because yeah. there were some good things in the first half. I felt like there was nice little in, uh, interchanging link up with um, with Son and Kulisevsky on the left hand side. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. I feel like the team benefited somewhat from the formation change. Obviously, we played a four two three one. We played a four two three one. Sorry, um, is this Sorry. all right? Uh, no, it's all right. We. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, go, go um, it's 4-0, by the way, 4-0, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, I've just seen, I've, I've just seen, yeah. But yeah, no, I, what I was trying to say was, I felt like the formation allowed us to, allowed us to actually have more than three attackers on the pitch at once, which was which was refreshing. In yeah, it was. Position. Mm-hmm. And I felt like um, it was it was good to see Kulisewski in the tent, although I feel like he had a, he had a decent game, but he did a lot of things that I didn't like. Um, I felt like it was a good first half. Basuma was dominating, having a lot of freedom, a lot of touches on the ball. Um, yeah. We were quite aggressive. We didn't really let Brentford um, come out of their half. Uh, we were good at actually winning the ball back in the in the middle third of the pitch. It looked like it was heading for another goal for Spurs and maybe a win. And then oh, what like... happened in the second half, bro? What happened? I... I, I I agree with you. Um, like you said, obje- objectively, our first half I think was good. We we really made it difficult for for Brentford to get into the game, and not only did we score and we were up, but we were still creating a number of opportunities 
to try and extend the lead. Son got into really good areas. Rico Henry blocked some. Oh, was it Rico Henry or was it Pinnock? Someone blocked something off the line from Emerson. Um, a number of times, I thought, even if Son had played like Danjuma in in one moment as well, he could have created something. They made some basically last minute last minute blocks. I, I thought the first half, based on the, even this tactic, I thought the first half was positive. Personally, I still don't really like Kulusevski as a 10 because I still feel that like his best attribute is his ability to dribble and to bring others into play from a wide area. But even then, like you said, I think it's a massive having as many of those attackers of those of, the, of that quality on at one point. And I think it was to our benefit because we had a stable-ish base in Bissouma and Skip and it allowed those front three behind Kane to kind of just do their thing. And that was actually quite good. It was that they they were somewhat fluid. I was seeing um, Danjuma pop up in central areas. I was seeing Kulusevski pop up on the left. I was seeing Sun through central areas as well. So I think that was positive. But then, uh, what changed? <laughs> what changed, bro? Second half. You know what? You know what? I don't think I think the we're asking the wrong question. What changed? It was it was the, the, the right the question should be we should be asking is wow, what made Spurs look decent in the first half? Because oh. we've seen more of the second half this season than we have seen the first. Mm-hmm, so that's the mm-hmm, question mm-hmm. we should be asking. What made Spurs decent in the first half? Right. And I think we spoke, we've touched, we've touched on those things. I'm not even gonna give too much credit on the shape change. I feel like for me it was more a personnel issue. It was more of a personnel issue. We had we had a good amount of personnel that needed to be on the football pitch to be on the football pitch. We had Dan Juma who was who hadn't started a single game for Spurs so far in his Tottenham career and he started. We had Basuma um first start since his return from injury back into the midfield. We had no Hoibi in the team. We had no Dyer in the team, etc. Mm-hmm, et mm-hmm. So there were a couple of personnel changes that gave us the boost that we needed in the first half. But interesting, said, interesting. You say personnel changes, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay, I know okay. where you're trying to go here. We're going to talk on the second half, brother. Yeah, we're going to talk on the second half. Yeah. I know what you're, I know what agenda you're trying to load. And it ain't gonna run, brother. Yeah. Oh, oh right. we lost this game three-one. We lost okay. this game three-one, buddy. Right. Second oh. half. I mean, how shit can you actually be as a football institution? How shit can you be? I don't understand it. Normally, we're we're, we're pretty poor. We save the the better performance for the second half, and we start the first half so bad. And this game was like a reverse. Started the first half decent. Second half, shocking. And it was literally every good thing we did in the first half, we did the exact opposite in the second half. Where we were pressing really, um, where we were pressing aggressively on Brentford, mm-hmm. we did the opposite in the second half, giving them so much space. I'm looking at our midfield as well, Basuma and Skip, really poor in the second half, in my opinion. I'm looking at the defence. We're going to get onto that flat-footed, statue that is Longley. We're going to get onto that statue that's Longley. Like, for all the ball playing, this guy is really not good at defending. We're going to talk about Ben Davies. Yeah, Who, let's talk on... Let's, 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 let's talk on that Welsh dragon. That apparent Welsh dragon. Yeah, let's talk on him, man. Granted <laughs> <laughs> oh, Welsh dragon. You know what? Oh, I even feel kind of... I don't know. It feels kind of a bit... Un, not ungrateful, but a bit like... You know what? Ben Davies has actually been one of the few defenders that has actually been relatively decent. He's kept a relatively He's decent He's been relatively level. decent, absolutely. But, but on that's Saturday, the problem. He was cheeks. Doesn't cheeks. matter. Okay. It don't okay. matter. You can, you can tell me as many times as you want, that's Mr. Reliable. That's Mr. Been there for nine seasons. He was still cheeks on the weekend. And yeah. Mbwemo had him up. Blamed him. Had him up. Had him up. Blamed him. I mean, let's 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 break down the goals, really. Jesus Christ! Oh my days! It could have been five 0 for Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea no, they, are. We're just talking about it now. As bad them. as we are, Chelsea are absolutely cheeks, and it doesn't even make sense with this team that they have. But let's get back on Spurs and let's actually break down some of the goals we conceded. Just awful, <sighs> awful goal. I mean, awful. The first goal, 
right? Kulisevsky, nice bit of play with Emerson, and I can't remember who it was on that right-hand side. But he has the ball, he loses it, right? But it goes out for a throw-in. Okay, cool. The ball is out of play. Where's our midfield? Damsgaard has got the freedom of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to receive the ball from a throw-in, look up, take a couple touches, find um, Johan Wissa, and my mm-hmm. goodness, this long leg guy, it's like once he's picked a position, he literally cannot adjust himself quick enough because he's so slow and immobile. It is crazy. I remember this is this- he, got, he was caught flat-footed against... Um, Against Almiron when we lost two. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where we lost at home, Newcastle. Whistle that pass, basic pass, and I knew instantly. Whistle was always going to get the ball. Was always going to get the ball before Longley because the guy's just so slow, right? And bearing in mind, this is the guy that some of our fans are slutting for and saying, "Oh, we should, we should buy him." It's a twelve million euro option. We, it's wait, wait, please, please, please. Remember that the same. uh just remember that the same supply teacher, he did say this is a player of some quality that we would like to get the deal done. Good joke. Like, more and more, I'm starting to look at I'm starting to look at this Mason guy sideways. Really, really looking at this guy sideways. Because some of the things he's saying, some of the quotables, man, it's not looking good for him, man. He stinks, man. He stinks. And it's not his fault because he's not he's not a manager, right? I can't hate you because I can't hate you for for being something that I can't hate you for not being something that you've not been taught to be. You or better yet, you don't have the qualifications or experience but then, to be. So like, I, can't, I, I can't hate him, but I just don't like I don't like the fanfare when it comes to him and the subject of the Spurs job. I, I don't like the fact that he actually believes that he's good enough to get this job. I rate the the confidence. I rate the the bravery, and mm-hmm. I respect the fact that he's he's coming to manage Spurs on an interim basis in yet another terrible second half of our season, the second time in three years. But that's where the praise ends. To be honest, I've given you like... the praise for your tactical adjustments, the attack, the team being better offensively, but. These are marginal changes that I would expect any manager to make. Literally, any manager to make. Any manager, and even any coach, to be honest with you. Like, any manager or coach, it does not make him on, qualified man. for this job. And we'll talk on Mason later on, but just the goal itself. Ben Davies, and <sighs> they had an absolute shocker for this. They did, they did. And like, you see about for both for both the first and second goals, bro. Horrible. You see that first goal, though, you see? Like, sometimes, I mean... When you're looking at Premier League football, like, I think us fans, you know, we expect things of such high level. And when we say we expect things of such high level, we not only expect it of a high level, but we expect it to be consistent. So sometimes you look at things and you're like, I might give you the benefit of the doubt. But the thing is to me, and this is the big thing for me, is that the Premier League is actually littered with too much quality. So... If you're going to be up against elite attackers, then you have to be an elite defender. You have to be an elite defender. And when I watch that, even like the first goal, the first goal, when I watch it, bro, what do I see? I see Longley flat-footed against uh, against Wisser, who beats him straight off, just, just the straight reaction, beats him. He's now already out of place. He finds the ball to Embremo. Listen, I like Embremo. That's a good player, a good Premier League level player. He's on the right-hand side and he has a left foot. My bro, what is uh-huh. what is Mbwemo going to do? What Brother, is Mbwemo going please. to do? Like, please. please tell me. Tell me. And I'm looking please. at him and I'm thinking, you, Ben Davies, you need to do one of two things. Either, one, engage immediately so that he can't get onto that left foot, or two, angle your 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 body positioning, angle it in a way so that he can't get that shot off. My my guy does neither. And when you look at it from the back angle, or from the from the angle that they showed it, which was directly almost behind the behind the goal, behind the camera of uh Mbwemo, the shot actually looks so easy to make. And it's just like the angle is created extremely easy. 
The space to put it in the corner is extremely easy and there's absolutely no pressure on the ball when he shoots it. So you're thinking to yourself, of course a player of regular premiership quality is going to be able to do that. It's going to be able to do that. It's just like some, sometimes we scream defence, improve, base technical quality, but come on, man. Like, like you would say that to anyone on a Saturday or on a Sunday, someone who's very good on their left foot, engage or don't let them go into the left foot. Like, why am I having to see Ben Davies not even realise, not even wake up to, to the fact that this could potentially be a situation for him to deal with? Doesn't deal with it. I don't know, man. Like I, I feel like I, you, you're going on about this stuff, and it's just like, does that player is he in a position to even be able to to change that or improve that in the future? If the answer is largely no, then what's he still doing there, mate? It's just you know what, yeah. It's just um, it's just. It's just a mess, man. And both both guys caught out for the second goal. So I mean, the oh, second goal. Oh, man, I want to say this as well. I want to say this as well. Harry Kane, absolute shambles for the second goal. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, even know absolutely. what. Begging for a foul, bro. Get up, hold the ball. You're stronger than the guy that was behind you. Hold the ball up. Begging for a foul that was never going to be a foul. You turn over the ball. And it's poor. You have to do better there. But yet again, similar to Kulusevski for the first goal, where he turned over possession, there's still acres of time and football to play. There's still so much football to play. Still so much football to play. And we've backed off Hickey. We've backed off Hickey, right? And Mm -hmm. we let him play that pass into um, Embuemo. And Ben Davies, again, basics of defending. Right, he's faster than you, he's stronger than you, so you won't match, you won't catch this guy in a foot race. Body positioning needs to be on point. You know where he you know what this guy wants to do. And Longley as the left center back who's there to cover the left back. <laughs> That's what where is so crazy he? about the goal. Where is was that he? the person who actually makes the makes the, the challenge to try and somewhat last minute block the goal is Longley. Where is Dave? Come on, man! Like I'm not asking for too much, man. Like, like I can't even, I can't even blame Dyer, man. I can't even blame Romero. Like that guy's giving me W after W after W this season, and it's just like you put in new guys, you put in different guys, and the same mistakes, the same errors are still being made. Like, and Bueno, man. Um, I mean, he's a good player. And good premiership players have the ability to do that to you, you know? But you, as a as a player from what we would say is a superior team, should be able to be better in your tactical position, to be better in your defensive phase. And you should be, like, even when you watch that run that Mbwemo made, man, I don't think even Ben Davies realised that he was even there, man. I don't even think he properly realised that he was in that position to be able he to do to. that sort of damage. He had to, but I just think it's just it's just poor defending. Like you you've given him you've given him what he wants both times, right? Both times mm-hmm. for both the goals. You've given him Bueno what he wants. He wants to he wants to have your he wants to have your body position wrong, right? Mm-hmm. He, wants mm-hmm. your, mm-hmm. he wants your body positioned in the wrong in the wrong way. So when he's actually sprinting, on top of the fact that he's faster than you, you're already at a disadvantage. You're not gonna catch him. You're not strong enough to barge him off the ball and you're not quick enough to keep up with him. And credit to Mbwemo, two good finishes, really two good finishes. But again, I don't even want to try and disrespect the team with Brentford because they were full value for three points. I think they were full value for three points. But the the drop-off in performance from the first half to the second half was alarming. And the individual errors and just how we are as a unit defensively, is is really alarming. We are a really bad team as a unit. We don't press high enough from the front in, in, in enough consistent spells over the course of 90 minutes. Our midfield, there's always space. There's always space in the middle of the park. Our defenders individually are poor, right? It's just a calamity from a defensive, from a defensive perspective. We are just not built or coached well enough to defend. And you can see it 
um, you can see that evidenced in our goals conceded. 62 goals conceded. 14 losses. We've lost, I think we've lost a lot more home games of any top 10 side um, yeah. in the Premier League this season. I think that doesn't, losses, that doesn't surprise me, bro. That doesn't surprise me. And <clears throat> what you're saying about the the defensive position and the tactical positioning of our defence is absolutely spot on, bro. Like, okay, what we need to do, yeah, is just go and watch the highlights of the of the of the, of the Brentford game and skip to the third goal. Oh, <laughs> ironically, I'm talking about Oliver Skip because <laughs> when the ball comes to him, right? Like, and I, I, I love my guy. I like that. I skip I really, to the third goal. That's the I, problem. I, 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 I really <laughs> love my guy, but like, like. He is the main reason why we conceded that third goal. Fine. But what I want you to do is if you go and watch that clip, there's a moment. Well, he has two moments to clear the ball or pass the ball. The the first one is when he miscontrols it. And the second one is when he kind of delays, but he's met with a press from someone in that midfield. I think it's Frank Onyeka, right? If you pause it at that one moment, you should see the position of our back four. We have... Davinson Sanchez on the right-hand side of the box, not even inside the box, on the right-hand side of the box because he thought he was going to receive it from Poro. You have Poro basically halfway up the up, halfway up our half. Then you have Longley, who is about two, three yards ahead of the penalty box. And then you have Davies as far as the left touchline. So the minute, the minute Skip is pressed by Onyeka, I think it is, and the ball is then played uh, from the left into Mbomo to Wissa. Wissa doesn't even have to beat anybody. He literally has to run forward and meet the ball that's passed to him. Like, it's it's insane. This, even, like, you're talking about a skip mistake, but the spacing for that defensive phase is so bad. It's just like, what did you expect? If you're going to lose the ball, at least be somewhat tight, compact. I know you're trying to chase the game. But at this point, man, like, like something has to happen with regards to when we have a new manager and we look at new defenders or we change how we defend because how we've approached defending this season, it's, it's been so poor, man. It's been so poor. Like, and I'm not sure if it's because of uh, having Antonio Conte for the last, what, uh, 18 months where you're used to playing a certain type of way in defence or the spacings you have in your defence is different to what it would be in a 4-2-3-1, which I actually think is a big issue in itself. Having players play in a back three or five, and then all of a sudden trying to get them play automatically in what is more natural to them in a back four, uh, maybe can be difficult. But Mm. it hasn't worked for us this season. Um, And even when we've changed to a back four, we're still conceding goals, bro. We're still conceding goals. We are, we are, we are. Because fundamentally, we're just not, we're not coached well enough on the defensive aspect in terms of pressing and individually, we just have people who are just, who are just, are just mavericks. They just do mm-hmm. whatever they want in the defence on top of the fact that they're just not that good at defending. But I want to, I want to zero in on why it is evidently clear that Ryan Mason, good lad, one mm-hmm. of our own, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. Good on him. Nice guy. But this guy, I, 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 I cannot, I will not, I shall not be in any position to want this guy even for one season, let alone a, for a multi-year deal. I don't want to see this guy's face, name, I don't want to see anything about him when it when 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 we're talking about Spurs managers. I don't. If you want to be a coach, fine. Be a coach. Go manage the under 18s. Heck, whoever the next manager is, if they want you as part of their first team staff, I'm even open to that. But you as our manager, I don't want to see. It. And let me tell you why, right? Because not for the first time, I saw Spurs make a sub or squad decision in a game of football. Based on sentiment. Two one down. You're two one down at home, having been one nil up. Mm-hmm. The first sub you make 
and Juma <laughs> off for Lucas Moura. So, uh, we've spoken about this guy's negative impact on Tottenham. Whenever he comes on, he literally makes Spurs worse and he kills us. He loses us the game. Right? This guy costs... He, he's literally a net negative. He's come on and Spurs are losing. Spurs are losing games when he comes on the pitch. They're in the game when he when 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 he's when he's off it. When he comes on, we drop points or we lose, right? Mm-hmm. Why is this guy coming on the pitch? Obviously, his someone... contract is up at the end of the season, right? So, so I didn't watch. I didn't, I didn't even watch the video that he did. Um, apparently, it was heartfelt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And again, I don't actually hate Lucas Moore as a person. He seems a nice guy, Christian man. I, I don't agree with his political political views however but he's a man of god and he generally seems like a bubbly person behind the scenes but my guy this is not this is not a playground this is not recess yeah this ain't recess this ain't recess bro this this is not recess i'm talking about the tv show this ain't rugrats this ain't flipping brothers garcia give me any of these other dumb childish shows this is not a, a show bro this is a real life game of football that you needed to win and Danjuma who has scored more goals in like probably 200 minutes of Spurs football in comparison to Lucas Moore he's Danju. let me tell you how bad this is yeah mm-hmm. Danjuma has scored more goals than Lucas Moore this season Dan Juma has scored as many goals in the minutes he's played this season as Lucas Moura has in our last two seasons put together. Crazy. He has no business being on this pitch at 2-1 down. You've got other options. We know, obviously, Richarlison's been mundered, but you've got Richarlison. You've got Pedro Porro. You've got other players, personnel tweaks that you could make before Lucas Moura. But Lucas Moura comes on the pitch to do what? To stunt our way of playing. Why? I, st- I still can't believe in 2023 that this guy's getting minutes. I, 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 I'm honestly baffled. I'm honestly baffled that 2023, this brother is still getting minutes. I just don't get it. It's just like, why do you think it's necessary to upset the balance in the game with a player who we know is effective and dynamic and swap him out for someone who we literally know is not effective and dynamic. Tell me the last game that Lucas Moura was effective and dynamic enough to come on and change a game. It's, it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like when I, when I, when I see decisions like this, it makes me, it makes me angry. But it reminds me that yeah, this guy isn't ready to be a top level coach, not yet, anyway. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, that is yeah. okay. That's not yeah. a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, but yep. it just can't be of our club. That's it. Yep, I, I agree. I fully agree. That's it. 100% agree. That's it. And I think with 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 with, with mates rates as well, right? Um, his subs, his substitutions. We used to get onto Conte for making subs so late, mm-hmm. but it's teams like Ryan Mason. Ryan Mason, not for the first time, not for the second time. This guy is routinely making subs that just kill the momentum. You just the the the, the thing that's working for Spurs. You just ruin it by bringing by making these weird substitutions. Like we've given him props when his subs have come off well. Like he made some nice tweaks against Man United to get us back into the game, and we went on to draw that game. But then yeah. when we're when we look like we could win, he brings on Tanganga. It's the same thing with Liverpool. You do it's like you do good things with your substitutions, and then you just ruin it. This game against against Brentford, he didn't even do anything good with his subs. It, it was just bad from the jump. It was all bad. bad it was jump. all bad. And his subs just his subs just basically lost us any sort of fluidity, rhythm, combination that we had in the first half. It was just all gone. And Brentford, they beat a sorry Spurs side in the second half and were good value for their three points, man. Listen, get him out of here, man. I don't want to see this guy in the in the hot seat next season. I don't. I really don't. If he is if he is Spurs manager next season, we are, bruv, 
if we weren't money before, if he's in, if he's Spurs manager next season, right? Spurs <laughs> will be lucky to finish in the top ten. <laughs> well, bro, well, if I see if I see that uh, Comunicado Oficial, we've um, decided to give Mason the full time position. Amen. You might never see me in that stadium again, bro. <laughs> but listen, man, we we have to move on to uh, managers, man. We, oh. we, we, we've got to move on oh. to managers. We got to do we have to? Managers, do we actually have to? We, we, we do have to. We do have to. Lucas Mora played his, hopefully, his last game for the club. Sayonara. Sucker! Thank you for the hat-trick in Amsterdam. But my guy, you are cheeks. You are absolutely cheeks. And you will not be missed. Get rid. Get rid. Get rid. I don't want to see that. I don't wanna, I'm was, so happy. It was the craziest I, thing, man. This brother was crying. I'm so happy. Real I'm tears. So happy. And this, he, and he had a, he had a positively contributed for TC. Bro, it's, and you know what's mad as well. And and you've got some fans on Twitter lapping it up, and people, oh, this is. I'm like, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Yo. Yo, I think the last time he scored was it was that was it the banger against Norwich last year? It was, wasn't it? Had to against, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And that was. was early in the season as well, man. That was early in the season. I remember that because I, I was I was sitting right that behind was in that. December, mate. I was at that game. That was in December. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. December twenty twenty one. Can you imagine? Ah, nasty, nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely disgusting, but. That's Lucas Mora for you, eh? That is Lucas yeah, Mora. So, good riddance, man. Good riddance. Listen, one good season in four isn't enough for me to, to, to see you off fondly. I don't hate you. I mean, I hated watching him play for Spurs. I will tell you that for free. I'm, I hated watching this guy play for the last two to three years. How many times have I come on this podcast and said, I can't stand seeing this bonehead? You see the emojis, the, the 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 massive head and the bone emoji I was using on WhatsApp. <laughs> I I could not stand, could not stand watching this guy play for Spurs. It's haram, haram football, horrible, horrible, <laughs> horrible football. I wanted him gone last summer, and I wanted him gone the summer before. Honestly, amen. It's it's two seasons too late. But listen, we move, we move. Thank you, God. God is good. Goodbye, Lucas Mora. Enjoy your your career, but it's been a big fat L as far as your Spurs career is concerned. Of course it has been. It has been. There's no one can tell me otherwise. No one can tell me outside of the hat-trick against uh, Ajax, outside of the hat-trick against Huddersfield or whoever the hell it was, and a couple goals. That's it. His first full season. That's it. His first full season. Since then, it's been all down. It's been all down. Like, Like, why are we wasting time on him? Listen, move on, man. Honestly, man. Honestly, ridiculous. I, I refuse to watch the prop that they put out for him as well. No thank you. No thank you, man. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna do it, man. We've had we've had players that have meant more for the for the club, like Danny Rose, and they've they've not even gotten half half that reception. Okay. So no, uh, nah, so, I'm good. I'm good, bro. I'm good, bro. Let him yeah, let I'm him cry into, let him cry into his tissue and, and find a new club in the summer. Goodbye. Anyway, let's talk, let's finish off this pod and um, talking about managers and talking about the team obviously we play this weekend um let's talk about onslaught man because mm. I mean, i've been doing their research he's only been in management for what like four years probably like yeah, four, uh, four and a half years four so, years yeah yeah he's relatively new to to um, football management right but mm-hmm. again you would have to say from a career perspective he seems like um someone on a really good trajectory i mean uh his first i think his 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 first job was at rz mm-hmm. um i think he averaged like their highest points per game ever mm-hmm. as a manager um got sacked from rz because they said he was losing focus because i think he wanted the final job or something like that he yeah he, he did the yeah. final job. so got sacked from rz took over final first full season they finished third and get to a Europa Conference League final. Second season, they finish um, first. They win the league, and that's their second, their second title this century. I, ha ha, you bozos! I I got the stat right this time. It's their second <laughs> league title in this century. This century so, yes. So let's be real. Yeah, 
We're taking Eredivisie with a pinch of salt because it's a cheeks league. It is. Right. It's a cheeks league. It's, it is. It is. It is. But that being said, this guy has good football in principle. When you look at what... Forget about just these achievements, which, which are good in mm -hmm. Holland, obviously. In Holland. Mm -hmm. But then when you look at his characteristics, the formations he plays, predominantly 4-2-3-1, his teams build up from the back. He lacks his goalkeepers to be basically involved in the build-up as well. Um, good use of his fullbacks, lacks to sometimes keep his fullbacks inverted, attacks with the front three and the fullbacks, right? You see his football's quick, crisp, direct, a lot of vertical passing. His team, free scoring, received so many plaudits in, in Holland as well. I'm seeing them in Europa League. I know obviously they got knocked out by Roma, but seeing them in the Europa League in group stage and I'm seeing them hit teams for like six, seven goals. So when you look at some of the players that he's been able to improve as well, some of the players, obviously some have joined the Premier League like Sinistera, but you've seen some of the other players in the team that he's got now that he's actually been able to, to work with, man. And I think what was, what was interesting to me was that when I was reading that article about him, it says that the, the his predecessor, Dick Advocate, he played a completely different way to to um, onslaught. Like he was very defensive. They didn't really score a lot of goals. The football wasn't really entertaining. And in the space of what, like a year and a half, two years, he basically made them the most exciting team to watch in Holland. So I'll be real. Um, I wanted other options over Onslaught, but once Spurs were actually in for Onslaught, I was calm with it. I was actually calm with it. I said, you know what? I like the sound of this guy. I think he has good footballing principles. I'm willing to take the risk that his work has only been seen in the in the Eredivisie simply because I felt like he ticked, he, he, he ticked a lot of the boxes that we were looking for in our next manager from a footballing ideology perspective. So, obviously, I've said all these good things about Slot, and yet he's not a manager. Where did you stand on this? And how, how did you react to the news that broke this morning on, on him now supposedly being out of the picture? Like, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't particularly moved by the initial links. Um, I have always kind of had a thing about some of these Dutch managers. Um, and whilst I was quite keen on Eric Ten Hag, I still felt that he needed specific things for it to work. And honestly, I didn't expect it to work to the extent it did at times this season. But it has. Um, with a pinch of salt, the Eredivisie is not like an amazing league. However, when you look at some of the factors his ability to change AZ um, and have their highest winning percentage in their history under him. Um, his ability to come into a final team, you know, that's under the grip of an Ajax uh, football club running that league for years and taking his team not only from a negative point in terms of near relegation and not competing heavily in Europe, but to playing proper attack attacking football, positive football, and doing it in a style um, to win the league and quite convincingly, which even included winning away in a massive, massive sort of title match against Ajax and also getting into successive um, latter stages in a European Cup competition. I made my peace with it. I'm not going to lie to you. I did a fair bit of research. And like you said, the one good thing about some of these coaches is that they're especially these Dutch guys, their coaching principles are sound. They generally are sound. They do a lot of work <clears throat> in the build-up, in the deep build-up, which I think is really good. And they take advantage of the use of the wings in terms of having high volume of crosses, high volume of cutbacks. But they, they can sometimes choke teams to death. And if you watch lots of different highlights of them this season and parts of last season, you can clearly see how it works. In my head, I was just, I made peace of it. In my head, I made peace of it. And to be honest with you, I was like, 
like I said last week in the pod, I think we as a club need to walk before we run. And if this means this is the kind of manager that who's going to basically get, excuse me, who's going to get our principles right to a point where we can build from, I'm not against it because at this point, anything will do. Well, not anything will do. Anything is better than what we have now. Anything is better than what we have now. So for me to now hear this news, not only about his compensation payout, his sudden um, feeling to want to stay and extend. Uh, I'm not sure what it says more about. Does it say more about him not wanting to take the leap and happy to stay in a comfortable position where he's just kind of finding his feet as a manager? Because, you know, like you said, he's only three years in, four years in into being a manager and he's doing well there. Or does it say more about the stink, the dark cloud, that follows Tottenham and the grey that sits in this in in that seat or that position that is the Tottenham manager under the grip of Daniel Levy. I think it's all us. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's all us, like because. And to be honest, I'm getting tired of these journals, like even the credible ones. I'm getting tired of reading the same spiel, the same bullshit every single day only for the news to to be the complete opposite in the in the day's time and the fact of the matter is a lot of these guys don't really know as much as we think they know but that being said that being said even the dutch sources even dutch sources that i don't really Mm -hmm. know too much of everyone was reporting that this guy's was interested in the job he wants to leave he wants this he wants that and then all of a sudden the next day bank he does that interview saying he wants to stay it was weird because i feel like he did an interview he did an interview like a couple of days back talking about how his immediate priority is rz but i mean not rz final but he couldn't commit his future he didn't commit his future because he said that he sees himself going on to to manage um in a in a in a higher caliber league basically bro right? he definitely so, said that <laughs> he definitely said that yeah so like something's happened here and again people are going to say oh no you don't know the full story i don't need to know the full story all i know is years and years of the same hierarchy it's always spurs it's always tottenham it's always tottenham where it's like oh no the manager was asking for too much Oh no, the manager would have cost too much. Oh no, he wanted this, he wanted that, he wanted this, he wanted that. It's the same shit with Nagelsmann. Um, it's like someone, someone someone wrote an article about it today. Spurs is like a manager's graveyard. It is, it genuinely is. And I feel like there are managers out there that are actually interested in Spurs. People aren't going to laugh and joke about Spurs. Oh, nobody wants the job, nobody wants the job. Eventually, yeah, maybe one day look under the bonnet, maybe they might not, but yeah, we've heard Nagelsmann wanting the job. Bro, bro, I'm telling was you, open man. For the job. Like, we, we fumbled. Pochettino was practically slotting for the job. Enrique has already held talks, apparently, um, interested in the job. That's three managers off the bat that that um, are highly sought after. Even bro. on slot, Dutch football's, Dutch football's newest exciting manager outside of Ten Hag, um, Bank, he, he was interested in the job. So the interest is there. The interest is there. Despite our mess, the interest is there. But what annoys me is our ability or our inability to convert that interest into um, an offer, into that person's our manager. And what makes it even worse is that Onslaught wasn't even first choice, wasn't even second choice, wasn't even third choice, Right. This is a man who was not really high up on a lot of Spurs fans. And most of the Spurs fans I spoke to came round to the idea of having slot. You, just, you know what? We've done our research. Yeah, calm. We'll give him We'll give him a chance. Even though it's a risk, we'll give him a chance. Because the club clearly have identified a guy that they believe in, fits the ideology that they want, works with a constraint budget, develops young players, plays the right mm-hmm. football, etc., etc. <clears throat> And yet you don't see it through. And and I'm, we're seeing reports on, oh, no, they didn't want to pay the competition for you. I'm sorry, but who actually does the due diligence for Spurs? I work in transactions. Whoa. A big part of my job or our job is due diligence. We do we do so much diligence work for, for um, firms. People that Whoa, pay, you, you pay someone, you pay someone to do the groundwork. 
to do the groundwork on a company that you want to buy, company you want to sell. Yeah, surely Tottenham must have someone like that for managers. Who's doing the the the, the, the who's doing the recon? Who is actually in that in that in that in, in, in that sector that's responsible for doing this? Because you can't then turn around and say to us, "Oh, he's too expensive." Did you not know that he was going to cost money to, to to get to to be released from his job? It's a very very strange one. Is it not the same Daniel Levy that only a few days ago was saying to people or put out into the media that he's only now in 2023 starting to use data as an approach to find players? Because places like Brighton and Brentford were using these methods. We're stuck in the Stone Age, man. We're stuck in the Stone Age. And we're being led by someone who's constantly making bad, bad decisions. And I don't really want to make this into a Daniel Levy hate thing. Because I can't be bothered with this nah, guy. let's do it. Let's but, do it. Let's do it. The thing you, is, though, is that to. we're seeing... Because they, we're they seeing, don't want to work with him, bro, Tops. They don't, we, these managers... We, they, we are, we are seeing clear... Clear quality managers, in my opinion, managers who like man. I was having a discussion with my boy the other day, and and he's an Arsenal fan, and he was like to me, you know what Arsenal remind me of? He was like, Arsenal remind me of X Y Z car because that is basically a well oiled machine. They check all the lights, they check all the oils, they keep the car clean, the car's working perfectly. And he said to me, you know what Spurs remind me of? They remind me of an Evoke. Because on the surface, you look good. You have all the things that people like. The shape, the size, the sound. But the minute you pop that bonnet, bro, the minute that there's anything minuscule that might go wrong with it, the whole thing just falls apart. And honestly, that all starts on the top. That's top-down management to a T. Because this guy is running... A circus up in there. He has to be running the circus up in there. One, people don't trust him from a management perspective. Two, he's no longer seen as someone as this stoic negotiator because people don't like his negotiating. He's negotiating style. And three, you're looking at someone who has taken on and sacked, taken on and sacked, taken on and sacked a number of high-level people in positions that will help understand or help improve his position from a football management perspective. Not a, not management as in, as in the coaching, but understanding the football operation side. And clearly, this guy keeps making the same mistake because now we're in a position where we still don't have a footballing director, which I think is affecting this recruitment issue with getting a coach. And we still don't have a coach as we end the 22-23 season. But not only is it becoming a problem, it's becoming a stink whereby there are probably managers out there that are looking at Spurs and saying, I think there's something there. They have some good pieces. They have the infrastructure, the academy, the stadium. They clearly have the fan base. They're a London football club. But there's something going on here where I'm seeing the AVBs of the time. The... (laughs) <laughs> the Antonio Contes, the Jose Mourinho's, and these men are having no success. What makes me any better? They're looking at themselves thinking, what makes me any better than them? What makes me better any better than them? And what's crazy is that you still tell these stupid, dumbass Tottenham fans, what is the common denominator here in the 22, 23 years? What is the common denominator here? They still won't see it. They still won't see it. It's just baffling to me. Yeah. It's baffling to me yeah. that, that, we could, that we could actually score our own goal like this. We've already made peace with the fact that the squad is a bit messed. Kane's in his last year. But let's start again. Let's get back to a coach. Let's improve our principles, get back to the basics. Someone who works with young players, who has clear a clear system where he doesn't have to spend too much money but get the best out of the players that are, that are in his disposal. And still, this man manages to fuck this up. I, I don't get it. I don't get to, it. We're going to have to wrap up, but me, I'm tired of giving these men excuses. Like, people talk about the compensation fee. Oh, no, 50 million euros. It's a bit much for a guy in Eredivisie. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it probably is, but guess what? 
if that's the man that you really want, you go out and you do everything you in your power to get that man. If you really wanted Nagelsmann, you listen and I, I get the fears. I get the fears of Nagelsmann bringing in a deal with that he's pally pally with and then creating creating some sort of like some sort of not a rift, but like creating maybe a bit too much power, having too much power, right? They don't want they don't they want they don't want someone to destabilize their hierarchy. But fundamentally, if you want a manager, you show it, you show the intent to go and get that manager. And we never see that. We never see that. It's always half, always half-baked approaches. And then trying to cover cover their asses with some bullshit stories, man. It's embarrassing, it's enough. And these guys are shocking owners and they need to go. They, they, who we getting, they, bro? Who, who they we getting? So many years, they need to go. They're rubbish. They're absolutely rubbish, and they are running this club into the ground. They really are. They really are. But listen, bro, we're gonna we're gonna end it on this, man. Um, I want to get your score predictions on what has been a dire. In fact, you know our last ever score prediction for this season, as we bring what has been a truly diabolical season to an end. Thank goodness that it's over. What is your expectation for Leeds? What, in fact, just give me your score prediction. We're losing, two 0 three one. We're losing. There's nothing to play for us. There's everything for these men to play. We are losing that match on, on Sunday. I don't want us to. Yeah, I'm going, but we're losing, bro. Yeah, I agree. I'm going for a three-two loss. Leeds will win the game three-two. That's what I'm going for, um, folks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to all the socials. Um, make sure you, uh, uh, yeah, just have a good bank holiday weekend as well. And make sure you try and avoid watching Tottenham. Listen, if Spurs lose, we're quids in. We're quids in because it means that we don't have to play the, the bloody conference league. So, boy, come on. What, what, what's, what's, what's the Leeds? What's the Leeds terminology? What do they say? Leeds MOT. Uh, I can't even remember what they say. Up the Leeds. Up the Leeds. I don't know. I don't know. Up, I don't know. Up the Leeds. Come on, Leeds. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway, uh, people were out of here, man. Take care. Peace. Uh, yes, on on debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! Podcast Network.